Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. I am your host Ali Maxwell, alongside me your other host George Ellick and it's been a couple of weeks since our last one. Unfortunate incident last week involving our studio which meant we couldn't bring you what was set to be a, a fantastic podcast of course. Uh, we did manage to get our championship all-star draft done on Twitter. Now if you haven't seen that and you're probably the only person that hasn't, please do head to our Twitter at NTT20pod where you can uh, find out who we picked to be in our championship all-star team. Time permitting, we'll be doing the same for League One and League Two in the coming weeks. So make sure you're following us at NTT20pod for more of that. Thank you very much to New Carnival, our good friends and an excellent band for our intro music it's uh, it's become synonymous with this podcast and they're a, a fantastic band so if you like what you hear in the first 10 seconds of this then uh, make sure you look them up at new carnival on all platforms and given that it's been a few weeks and in the efl so much can happen over the course of just a, a, a couple of weeks a couple of game weeks we're going to keep it fairly simple this evening. We're going to look at the three divisions. We will be looking at the automatic promotion spots, the playoff spots, the relegation spots, those in them, those gunning for them or trying to avoid them. And we're going to start with the championship. And at the top, George, there's a lot to unpack in the championship at the moment. And we'll start very simply with the top team Wolves, who have had a little bit of a wobble and some of whose fans are probably reacting with a little bit of a wobble. Some pretty confident that they're still going to be easily, comfortably champions come the end of the season. But having lost to Fulham on the weekend, outplayed as well. What would you be saying to, to, to Wolves fans concerned that they might be about to, to perform one of the big bottle jobs of our time? <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I think there's no shame in losing away at Fulham I saw uh, Nick Goff who's obviously a big Wolves fan on Twitter um, telling fans that they should uh, in no kind of mild-mannered way just shut up if they're saying that he said you know without Nevers and Hotter um, they're not the same team which is completely fair enough in Fulham you've got a team who are probably at least at home certainly the second best team in the league uh, their home form is absolutely superb and adding Mitrovic finally a striker who's actually a striker to them has, has improved them um, having said that though there are reasons to believe that the, the performances are slightly stuttering obviously a draw a draw and a loss in the last three games isn't great although again a draw away at Preston isn't necessarily the worst result but you're looking back at the home defeat to Forest they haven't beaten uh, they've only beaten one team by more than a goal since January the 2nd um, and that was Sheffield, Sheffield United at home so whilst I'm not really concerned for them I'm pretty sure they're going to get promoted I'm pretty sure they're going to be in the top half of the Premier League next season um they're only six points ahead of Cardiff now. Cardiff's form's up, really picked up and they're going to go up. They probably need, what, 10 points to get promotion. Mm. And with a team of this kind of quality, that's going to be pretty easy. They've got uh, Reading at home next up, which should be an absolute banker for, for three points. But probably not beating Reading's own championship points total record from 0506, no. which stands at 106 points. But if that's your concern, then then you're spoiled. So, no, no um, it's just something we, we had mentioned it uh, over the course of the season a few times. Hypothetically, will they be beating it? And uh, it looks like now that they, they won't be. Uh, who, who do we think will be joining them in automatic promotion? You spoke about Fulham there. Uh, just as last season, 
the class team really in the second half of, of the season so far. If the season was, if the regular season was 60 games long, you'd say they were an absolute lock for second place. Do you think that time might, games rather, might run out for them when it comes to making up the, the eight-point gap between Cardiff in second place and Fulham in fourth at yeah, the moment? Yeah, possibly. I mean, they're not closing on Cardiff because Cardiff can't stop winning. Um, and Cardiff have got Barnsley and Birmingham coming up, which are two, you know, both at home. You'd think that's, that's six points already banked there. Um, the key game, I think, here, even though you, you, you think the Wolves are probably gone, is on the 7th of April, where you've got Cardiff hosting Wolves. And that's going to be the game where anyone who can keep the pace will be hoping that that's going to be the end of it. Cardiff face Wolves and then Villa away and then Norwich away. Mm. Um, those are the three games with, with a couple of games to go where anyone who's hanging on the coattails will hope that they finally slip up. But I said uh, on TalkSport 2, I think two or three weeks ago, that you know people were talking about the promotion race and talking about like, you know, can Will Villa slip up? Uh, can anyone catch them? Is Derby the only team? You know, Cardiff have forgotten a lot of this and, and then suddenly they've got a four-point cushion to third. Um, their performances are still very, very good. Um, Warnock is someone who's obviously very adept at, at gaining promotion from this league. So Cardiff are in the box seat. But having said that, I think that, that Villa and Fulham will be will be right there to uh, pushing them all the way. I was on also TalkSport 2 uh, earlier today talking to, to Ray Stubbs and Adrian Clark, And one of the topics that Adrian brought up, which I thought was an interesting one, is what happens hypothetically, if Cardiff do gain promotion to the Premier League. Uh, this was before the news that Neil Warnock has signed a new deal, has said he will continue next season. But is it silly to suggest, as Adrian sort of did, that possibly for both sides, it might be, it might have been an idea for Warnock not to continue next season on his side to stay at championship level where he's probably the most valuable manager in its history and can command uh, the sort of you know bonuses and payments that that no other managers can and from Cardiff's side to be able to approach a Premier League season uh, with a manager that's not you know approaching his 70s and and whose success in the Premier League has been reduced compared to his success in the championship what do you think about that sort of topic that sort of uh, situation I think that it's a romantic view that there could be anything different I think that uh, the new contract one that's going to sign is going to make him a richer man and at the end of the day um, that is the most important thing especially when you think that just 18 months ago he was, he was apparently retired from management and he's just signing a new contract for a team who it's looking likely will at least have a shot of being in the Premier League next season. So uh, I think that Warnock deserves that crack at it. And to be honest, I, I reckon if I was a Cardiff fan or if I was a Cardiff player, there's no one else I'd want in charge uh, for that run. I, I, I don't think that he's... You, you see some of these dinosaurs going up, um, you know, dinosaurs in very much quotation marks, but I, I don't think he's necessarily that. I think he's someone who's, who's very adept at getting the best out of a team and he's certainly doing that at, at Cardiff. Derby are in a bit of an odd run at the moment. It's, it's, it's not as extreme as Derby's previous collapses around sort of February, March time that we've seen twice in the last three seasons. However, they're not winning games, or at least the wins have slightly dried up. I think since the start of the year, they've won two. They've only lost one, but then there are a number of draws in there, six six draws, a lot of them against teams at home. They, they probably would have considered beatable. And and from a point where they looked like the the class or well, the second class team in the league, where they looked so solid at the back and with enough going forward with Vidra supplemented by Lawrence, etc. Now they're getting a bit leaky. Is there any danger that they could 
drop out altogether or are we looking at them as a, as a lock for the playoffs and probably no more? I think they'll be in the playoffs at least. Um, I managed to back uh, Derby and Middlesbrough on Saturday <laughs> uh, and Rotherham. So that was a bit of like relief at the end, which was, you know, two, three all draws um, was a bit of a blow. But uh, yeah, the weird thing about them is that you thought that Rowett had really um, got them drilled. If you look at, you know, they kept uh, three consecutive clean, four consecutive clean sheets in the league, um, picking up uh, eight points in the process. And then they've gone on a run of a, a one-all draw against Norwich and then two-nil defeat, a two-all draw and a three-all draw, which means that, you know, unlike the Rowett team of, uh, that we saw at Birmingham, they've conceded seven goals in the last three games in the league. And that's really, really poor. Mm. Um, and they host Fulham next. So it's not going to get any easier for them. So you know, pretty, when, pretty you, quickly, when, they're going to have to shore up. When Chris Baird's receiving straight red cards for, for dangerous play, you know, if something's, you know, they're, they're, they're clearly sort of, um, they're having a bit of a wobble, put it that way. But, and, and, um, and again, you look at the fixture list and they've still, they've got to host Cardiff and they've got to go to Villa. So, um it, it's going to be tricky for them but at the same time I, I don't think there's much danger of them dropping out of it entirely I think there seems to be a bit of a race about who can drop out of that sixth uh, position in the championship there's no one really making it their own I think the top five look to me like they're, they're cut away Quick word on Aston Villa they had struggled against Fulham without Adoma and Grealish both still out but they did manage to get a, a big win at Hillsborough on Saturday it was a real it was a slugfest to be quite honest with you uh, both teams really going at each other Sheffield Wednesday as we've noted on Twitter in the last few weeks essentially playing with a reserve team in the sense that around nine or ten of their actual first team players are injured long term and it <clears throat> it's not easy for Jos Lehukai put it that way and they're not really picking up too many points either but in Villa you've got a team definitely who'll think that that they're probably along with Cardiff favourites for for the automatic spot so given that we haven't mentioned them yet you know how do you how do you sort of um, perceive them as as potential automatics yeah as I said I think it'll be them in Fulham who are pushing pushing Cardiff um, the quality in their side is starting to show um, Conor Hurahane Lewis Graben Snod they've got goals all over the place you know, they've managed to win without Grealish and their team um, as well. So, yeah, I think they look rock solid. It was, it was a surprise to see them losing against Sheffield Wednesday at halftime, but they had the quality to play badly and, and, and turn it into three points, which is important. And sixth spot, you touched on it there, and I have no idea where I stand on this. I think that uh, when you get to the last 12 games of the season, there's 36 points to play for, and, and any sort of gap that's more than seven or eight points you probably consider to be to be too much to make up at, at either end of the table but you've got Bristol City in sixth on 54 Norwich in 14th on 47 so that's a seven point gap and, and I, I don't think either of us are expecting Norwich to make up that gap or pr- probably Ipswich on 48 points above them uh, Millwall leads Brentford Preston Sheffield United and Middlesbrough make up the rest Middlesbrough in seventh two points behind Bristol City. And you can make a case against all of these teams. That's basically where I've come down on this. And I'm not sure which team I, I'm, I'm feeling strong enough to make a case for at this stage. And, uh, you know, Middlesbrough, just just not playing well yet, really. And, and have, have got so much out of Adama Traore in the last 10 games. And then he showed his, his sort of slight naivety again with, with his stupid, well, his naivety with his stupid red card on Saturday. But he'd been really carrying them, a, a boon for them, the, the brilliant take for, for Bamford's 
both of his goals, I should say. Sheffield United, Chris Wilder appears to be having some sort of meltdown, uh, blaming the board for, for lack of investment in January, which I thought was a bit odd. Preston just cannot put lesser teams away at home. Losing at home to Ipswich was just uh, another in a long line of, of games like that this season. I think there's five or six teams in the bottom half that they failed to beat at home, and they're so good uh, in, in other games. Brentford... <sighs> Dominating the match against Leeds, dominating the ball anyway against Leeds, conceding a goal from a set piece and losing that game. Leeds themselves, we've been through a million times, just don't feel like they're quite there. So, I mean, it, it's... it's um, Throw a dart at it. It's Brentford. It's Brentford. It's Brentford. There you go. What, why, what makes you say that? So Brentford's home form, we know, has been uh, superb as of late. And if you look at their home fixtures, they've got Ipswich at home and QPR at home and Hull at home. That's nine points in my book. And then their away games, whilst they haven't been quite as strong, they've got games that I still expect them to pick up cheap points. Uh, they've got Burton away um, coming up on the sixth on Tuesday night next Tuesday, which I expect them to win very easily. Um, they've got Nottingham Forest away. Nottingham Forest's home form is the worst in the league, and they've got Barnsley away. So, I, I mean, it's, it's never as easy as this, but I'd have them down for, for getting a decent haul there. Six wins would be, what, 18 points. So if you're thinking that's 15, you add those 15 points there, tally now, and given the way the league's going, they're not going to be far off it with, a, with another six or seven games remaining. Well, just looking um, at the, the odds checker list at the moment, you can, man. you can get four to one on Brentford to make the playoffs. You yeah. can get 16 to one for, for them to be promoted. That could be quite an interesting one for our followers to, yeah, uh, to have a look at. I think at. that falls as a bet. I think it'll at least go shorter. There's no chance this Brentford team, the way they play, uh, and the performance levels have been so consistent for the last, you know, basically all season, to be honest, even when they were losing early on. Um, I, I can't see them dropping away. You can see the likes of Sheffield United and Bristol City have certainly lost their mojo. And that's not going to happen with Brentford. My only concern would be this is a classic Brentford. Um, yeah. when, when the pressure's on, they, they turn it on. Uh, when, sorry, when the pressure's off, they turn it on. And uh, I would be a little bit concerned that if they do get get up there they might get a bit dizzy um, and that would possibly see them spiral but I think, the that, time, I think that the Brentford fans crass- would be yeah. in agreement with that and Four, probably with probably with still with some concerns about a, a genuine goal scorer Four, as well 4 to 1 implies a 20% chance and I there's no way that's right They've got a way better chance than that of getting in there. Well, the bookies have Bristol City still as the as the favourite out of that bunch. It does feel a little bit like they're slipping away massively. Their performance levels have dropped hugely, even in the games recently that they have managed to get points in. It's kind of felt like they've been lucking their way into them rather than dominating games. And you think you think of Brentford as being the outsiders now? Yeah, at the beginning of the season, there was like no question about who had the better squad who was who was better set for a promotion campaign and the fact that Brentford now performing above Bristol City and there's a four point difference they will make that up um, there's no doubt I, I think it's a massive long shot this but I just wanted to mention Millwall because I'm, I, and I'm not saying that they'll be making the playoffs I think that that would be uh, that would probably be too much too early anyway but their form this calendar year has been sensational they lost their first game of the year and since then they've won four straight away from home uh, they've drawn with Preston, Derby and Cardiff and they've beaten Leeds, Reading, Birmingham and Burton. Uh, they are on 17 points from their last seven games. That's the, the most in the league equal with Cardiff and Fulham in that time period. And, you know, over the course of the season, we touch on every team and there's not always a, a million new things to say. But given what this Millwall team is, given the, the, the makeup of the squad... 
given the style, I suppose, as well, and the formation, which seems um, like a bit of a throwback in the way that they play, given that Neil Harris rarely mentioned as a, as a bright young manager, as, a, as a, a top EFL manager, to be on this sort of form and just, just putting teams away, deserving most of their results. And according to our, our friend Ben Mayhew, who runs the website Experimental361, who takes a look at the data side of things, he's got their, their attack down as the, the seventh best in the whole of the championship this season. And, and that's quite remarkable and, and probably something that the casual flat fan would not consider. But the fact of the matter is, Steve Morrison age 35, is putting in, a bit like Akin Fenwer down in League Two, um, a season for the ages. The, probably, the best season of his, probably the best season of his career. Maybe, well, certainly not in terms of goals. No, but I mean, I'd, I'd say that, you know, he, he was a decent player for Norwich in the, in the Premier League, whatever that is. But um, yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it's been fantastic to see another team who were superb at home and, and couldn't buy a win away from home, now won three on the, three on the mountains away. Uh, which is great to see that they don't concede many. They manage to get on the score sheet in basically every game. They've got Harlan Sunderland as the next two games. So if you're looking at a long shot, you can probably bat them now and, and, and get out for a free bet. 20, 20 to 1 for Millwall to make the playoffs uh, could be an interesting one there. But if you think, I mean, I've just made a massive case for Brentford. They're only two points behind. There you go. And interestingly, Ben's E ratings, which take into account all sorts of different stats and data points and etc um you can go to his website experimental 361 and see for yourself but looking down at the relegation battle george the data suggests that hull city's attack is one of the best in the league in sixth place just above millwall actually over the course of the season and their, their defense very much sort of middle of the road and that generally you know this would point to a a, a team being towards mid-table, Hull are, are just above the relegation zone after a huge win against Sheffield United on the weekend. And below them is Barnsley, massive win against Birmingham, fully deserved. Kiefer Moore and Ollie McBurney, both brought in in January, just look like a massive handful for the centre-backs. And obviously, in the space of a week, Brentford have, have gone back, uh, sorry, Birmingham have gone back to Brentford with Colin, Dean and Hotter and been beaten 5-0 in one of the most insipid displays I've ever seen and then Mark Roberts formerly Barnsley captain gets given the run around and loses 2-0 at home to his old club Barnsley so the bottom three now Birmingham Burton and Sunderland I know I make these claims and they probably don't always <laughs> come true but for me that's that's the bottom three that's those are the three relegated teams yeah I don't disagree I mean it's interesting what you say about Hull but They've scored 44 goals this season. Uh, that's four more than Preston. So maybe it shouldn't be that surprising that they rank so highly for yeah. for, for attacking. Um, I'd, I'd still look at Reading as being another team possibly in trouble um, and, and Bolton too. But I completely agree with you. It's, it's gonna, The onus is now on on those three teams to pick up points because they don't look like they're going to do so. Whatever mini resurgence there was under Steve Cottrell um, is is certainly dead and buried now. It looks for, like they're going to have Birmingham. to find... You know, they're probably going to have a new manager at some point between yeah. now and the end of the season in a, in I mean a, it's just a, in a it's a mess way, you almost look at Burton as being a team who could possibly somehow rally but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you I think that it's going to take um, a really bad run uh, you know a proper a few beat, uh, defeats on the bounce for one of these teams uh, to, to, to be pulled into it Moving on to League One now and we're going to look at the automatic promotion spots first I'm going to throw the first name into the mix and it's not 
leaders Blackburn, nor is it second place Shrewsbury or third place Robert. Wigan. It's a team that won you a bet this weekend, scoring a goal in the 102nd minute or whatever ridiculous minute it was after a lot of injury stoppages. It's Rotherham who have won seven league games in a row, unbeaten in their last 14. Are they a shout? for automatic promotion. They're seven points off Blackburn. They're six points off Shrewsbury and four points off Wigan having played three games more. When you say it like that, it still seems like a step too far. But the way that they're playing, it could be a possibility. I don't think so. Unlikely. I don't think so. I think that this Wigan team have enough about them to to at least get six points from those three games in hand. And as soon as that happens, you're suddenly looking at, at, at 72, 69, the top two. And that, that's just too far for me. Um, both Blackburn and Wigan have, have too much class, uh, I think, to uh, to let this really affect them. I think Rotherham have been absolutely superb and, and, and Paul Warren deserves a huge, huge credit. I think you know the owners there and, and, the, and the board deserve credit for keeping faith in him earlier mm. this season when it looked like, you know, I think we both thought he was just a sitting duck really and, and wasn't really doing much there. Um, so credit to them. And, uh, and I think that they're going to be the team probably along with Plymouth, ridiculously. I mean, if you told us that a couple of months ago, uh, they're going to be the two teams that people are going to look to avoid if they do get in the playoffs. And uh, interestingly, and I, I will flag this up because I think it's it's important to do so, I, I said that when they lost Kiefer Moore, I thought Rotherham would struggle to replace him. They, they did so with Michael Smith, who I considered to be, while a, a player with a similar sort of size and a similar style, to be a lesser player to Kiefer Moore. But... He's done fantastically well since joining and it, and all not to take anything away from him for, for putting in good performances after a tough first half of the season with Berry, But that to me, to be able to bring in another player and for him to hit the ground running so well speaks to an excellent system, an excellent style of play, uh, attacking options. And, um, and again, it comes back to Paul Warren, a man who <laughs> apparently hates every minute of the job and who pretty much said last season when they were getting relegated that he didn't expect to be a football manager in sort of a year or two's time. He thought he'd probably be back to being a fitness coach. So it's really interesting to see them doing well and and, and, um, and brilliant, really. Plymouth as well, before we touch on Blackburn and Shrewsbury, if you consider Rotherham to be f- too far off, then uh, no doubt you consider Plymouth 15 points behind the automatic place to be too far off. But just just... Talk us through how it works, this, George, because you, you, you thought Plymouth would be good before the season and I didn't think they would be quite as good. I think you tipped them to be in the top half. Um, after a, a number of games, 20-odd games around that time, they were still in the, in the relegation battle and you were still pretty much backing them every week to win their games. You had a, the sort of faith that a lot of you know, heavily religious people might struggle to find at times. <laughs> Plymouth are your religion. Derek Adams is your god. So uh, it, you know, they've won six in a row now and they're in the, the, the promotion places. This is, and we've seen it a couple of times with Barnsley two seasons ago, for example, but this is something pretty special that's happened. Yeah, it's and, amazing. And incredibly unusual. I didn't bat them on Saturday for the first time in about three months. Um, yeah, it's great. And, and again, it's testament to, to the club. And, and even though he's not everyone's cup of tea, that Derek Adams got the time that he'd earned uh, in League Two to, to turn it around. And they've been absolutely brilliant. I still point to Diago Raga at the signing of him as being the turning point. He's obviously not, not there anymore, but they're still picking up points like it's no one's business. And I, 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 I think that their performance data um, isn't quite as good as the points they're picking up. 
Um, so I, I would have some concerns as to whether they can keep this up. But they're riding the crest of an unbelievable wave at the moment, and that can take you so far. Um, so it's exciting times for anyone who's got two pounds on them getting promoted at five hundred yeah. to one. Well, the ridiculous <laughs> half half my office are on about twenties top half, and I'm on at five to six, which is a bit of a blow. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, no, they're, they're, I went I went down there in November, and I and I had a quite a big bet on them. I think they were they were like four to one at home against us, or, or three to one, and uh, and they obviously had a man sent off and one four nil. So mm. I, I was cheering through gritted teeth a bit, <laughs> and obviously not. But um, a, a wider question that Gab Sutton of the Football Lab tweeted in. Uh, he makes the point that in early November, Fulham were seventeenth, Plymouth were twenty fourth, Crawley were nineteenth. And Brentford are out twenty first. They're they're my antipodes football bets. Cheers. <laughs> Brentford with 21st. Um, Gab says, does their subsequent rise suggest more owners should be standing by their managers when fans perhaps think otherwise? Yes, if if there's green shoots. Mm. With all of those teams, there was evidence. Like Brentford's shot data has been like up with the best all season. Fulham's wasn't as good last season uh, and it's improved, but obviously last season they were very, very high. I, I think it's, very, you know, Oxford, for example, where the, the data, the performance levels were dropping very very quickly even though points weren't necessarily that was that was also a correct decision because mm. they could see the rot starting and and it doesn't matter i mean as, as i said before in here people who saw that we were a tenth of the league and thought it was a bad decision didn't see what was happening on the pitch um so like gab is definitely right if if there are green shoots then it's very clear that the team is being unlucky or, or the you know the, the point hall isn't matching the performances then absolutely but at the same time the opposite can be said elsewhere. I think that, for example, Peterborough, I mean, McCann could have been sacked ages ago and they've mm. waited for so long, even though it's been obvious that the performance levels have been dropping. Mm. Um, so it, it can go in both ways. And it's interesting, I think important as well at this point, we talk about performance data a lot and I know that uh, a lot of the listeners enjoy us talking about it and some of them possibly still slightly more uh, slightly more in the dark about it. But if, if you hear what George is saying there about green shoots in dark times and the opposite, we should say it, it's, it's easy or it's simple really to be keeping up to date with it. It's not... This isn't hidden data that you can't find. Uh, George and I are looking at it each week and we're doing so because of the great work of Ben Mayhew, who I spoke about earlier. His website, Experimental 361, will give you the top line data that you need to, to be able to predict. And it doesn't always come off, but predict things like Brentford and Fulham's surge up the table, like Plymouth's surge up the table, like teams dropping off like Reading this season. And I think it's really important and I think it would, it would be great for general discourse around the EFL if more people were reading Ben's work, following the likes of Mark O'Hare and Mike Holden on Twitter as well, who do excellent stuff, more on the betting side about it. And uh, just, just continue to, to sort of continue looking at it because it, it forms a big part of the way we talk about things. And it'd be great if, uh, if, if everyone else was as well. So, um, George, uh, you, you consider Wigan still to be the class act, even though they've dropped down to third with that cup run impacting on them. Three games in hand they've got to make up two points on Shrewsbury and three points on Blackburn. They've still only conceded 18 goals in the league in their 31 games. So it's clear that they're still, you know, the favourites to be promoted. How do you judge Blackburn and Shrewsbury at the moment? We've spoken about it before, generally been leaning towards Blackburn long-term and, and with a one-point gap at the moment, I suppose, more than ever, yeah. You think that'll probably be yeah. the way that it falls? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Um, having said that, I watched the, the Berry game the other night and I wasn't too impressed with them. Um, but as ever, they got the job done and got the three points. Um, 
it's just a massive ask for Shrewsbury. I feel Shrewsbury, I should say. Sorry, Ian McIntosh, if you're listening. Um, if with with them, you feel like they've just been incredibly unlucky to be in a League One that has two teams who are just a cut above the rest. You mm. think that the job that Hurst has done there in a normal year, they probably would have got their dream of, of, of promotion. Like um, Burton, dare I say, a few yeah, seasons Yeah, ago. exactly. But but sadly, there's just these two teams who between them have only lost 10 games. Um, it's it's difficult, but you know, they're still in it. Uh, mm. I may have written them off. I'm sure they will still be dreaming of uh, of um, being able to pull through, but the, 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 the results have dropped, dropped off, off recently. But that big win at Charlton will do a lot for them. So not out of it yet. Scunthorpe are an, are an interesting team. We follow quite a few Scunthorpe fans on Twitter. Um, 35 games they've played. They're in fifth position on 57 points. Uh, they've only lost eight games, which is the fourth fewest in the league behind the top three. And to all intents and purposes, on paper, it looks like a good season. It doesn't always feel like it uh, when I read the tweets by Scunthorpe fans. And I'm not saying that they're a hugely negative bunch, but... You never get the idea necessarily watching the highlights of them or reading up on them that they're a, a particularly strong League One team. So what does it say about them or maybe Graham Alexander or, or, or grittiness or defence or whatever that they're, that they're still the fifth place team? And, and looking at the playoffs at the moment, if we consider potential for it to be Shrewsbury, Rotherham, Scunthorpe maybe and, and, and Plymouth, you know... Are they good enough to be promoted to the championship? Yeah, I think that's harsh on Scunthorpe. Um, I saw them earlier in the season when we played them, and they're, I think under Alexander, they're basically always just a very organised, very um, quite a good team, really. And for whatever reason, in the last couple of weeks, results have dropped off as well. But having said that, I thought in the first you know, two or three months of the season, they were probably the fourth best team in there, mm. um, along with Bradford. So... I don't see any reason why. I mean, last season we saw them throw it away from after after a good start and then rally late on. And I I see no reason why they can't be a force in the playoffs if that's where they end up. I mean, they've they've clearly got some class players. Adelican has had great patches this season. Was was an unused sub on the weekend. I think still suffering a little bit from inconsistency. I think they just look a little bit thin up top after losing Van Veen and, and Paddy Madden. I, I saw a few tweets saying that Tom Hopper looks just dead on his feet on the weekend. They had no one really to bring on in his place and that would be a worry. I think last season in the playoffs, they, they didn't score, did they, in their playoff um, semi-final and and it's, it's looking like that could be an issue this season as well. But they've got one of my favourite players in the league in, in Funzo Ojo, not only because of his name, but just a, a brilliant ball-playing midfielder with a bit of bite as well. Ojo's one of, one of my favourite players to watch in League One and, um, and we like him a lot. Uh, in terms of pl- teams below the playoffs who might be looking at the playoffs longingly and thinking they could barge into them between now and the end of the season I mean uh, Charlton would be the favourites they're, they're only one point, two points rather behind Plymouth and have two games in hand and below them Bradford uh, and then Portsmouth and then Peterborough who parted company with Grant McCann this morning I think it was perhaps late last night uh, what did you think about that decision what do you think about Peterborough is it too late for them to break into the playoffs have they got the players if guided by the right manager to, to, to make a, a late charge? Or, or is there another team that you'd be looking at there? So hard with Peterborough. Um, they've just disappointed massively this season. Uh, shock to some, maybe not so much to us. Uh, but um, it's hard to know. They've, they've obviously got a chairman who's, who's very financially and emotionally invested 
in the club um, and in, in a, a couple of their players they've got guys who should who should really take them further so so it's going to be an interesting one to see who they appoint He's an, it's another job where I think that Michael Appleton should be like the obvious first choice candidate um, yeah. Steve Evans has obviously emerged as being the, the, the bookmaker's favourite straight away um, alongside David Oldfield who I assume must be part of the backroom staff hence his inclusion there mm. um, yeah I mean I, 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 I guess given the right manager that they probably do have the, the tools to get there with two games in hand you know if they win those two games in hand they're level on points with, with Plymouth with a better goal difference mm. so no doubt about it that's just, just still in the mix I mean it, it's, it's perhaps simplistic to look at just one area of the pitch but just in terms of firepower it's worth re-mentioning that you know, Marcus Madison, Jack Marriott, Danny Lloyd, Omar Bogle, Junior Marias, um, George Cooper, of course, signed from Crew in January. Uh, they, they've got some fantastic attacking players. And, and it seems to me like if they could get the sort of impact that, let's say, a Chris Powell has given Southend in the short term, then they could be a bit of a dark horse for the playoffs. And do we do we believe in the, in the chairman to hire the right man after a couple of less good appointments I don't know but it'd be it'd be fascinating if they could get someone in the mould of Michael Appleton I mean if Appleton and, and Evans are the two candidates then that's apples and oranges um, to be honest two, two very different candidates but that's that's uh, that's one for another day and we'll we'll talk about their new appointment on the next podcast assuming that it comes by then um, we'd certainly hope for and expect a new manager at the helm of Oxford United, 15th placed Oxford United. I think it's worth pointing out. It kind of felt to me and a couple of more casual onlookers that Oxford were a, a single digit team, 8th, 9th, maybe 10th, that sort of time, but dropped down to 15th, been a, been a poor few weeks and a takeover, a Thai man called Tiger has taken over the club. He's given a press conference today, George. Just talk us through from a fan's point of view, how you consider the, the, how how you reflect on the takeover on his first press conference, what he said, what he promised, what he didn't promise, and if you can, any thoughts on a, a new manager? Um, the press conference was was uh, interesting. Um, I think the interviews he's done with the press since the press conference have been better. The one thing that, that concerned me a bit was he was asked about. Um, about whether he'd brought any staff with him to the club and he said he brought along with him a friend who helps him with scouting and that rang alarm bells straight away because I think the one thing that all of basically any Oxford fan you speak to will want is, is assurances that we get back to the recruitment model um, that we had under Michael Appleton and previously. Um, having said that, he also alluded to the fact in, a, in an interview with the club that he invest, helped the club invest in defensive options at the back and given that he used to be a director at Reading you'd assume that that basically means he paid for Rob Dickey who certainly fits the um, you know the, the the bill in terms of young players academy graduates who who are hungry to do well and have a sell on sell on value so fingers crossed about that he took a, he took he sort of seemed to take credit for Reading's or partial credit for for Reading's successes last season and the appointment of Yap Stam which could be interesting when thinking about his appointment of, of Oxford's new manager. Yeah, he, he, he said um, he was very keen to bang the drum that he interviewed Yap Stam and also um, Eric uh, Ten Arg, who is now Ajax's manager. So I think he was trying to show that the calibre of manager he will be able to attract 
is is very high. Um, he obviously doesn't know about my opinion of Yapstam or Reading last season, which is a blow. But I'll let him know when I when and if I meet him. I probably won't. Um, I definitely won't. Um, but uh, but you know it, it, maybe it's exciting. I. I managed to get very excited about the appointment of Craig Bellamy. Of course, it could still be Bellamy. Um, he's still the you know, very heavy odds on favourite for the job. But um, from what it looks, I mean, he was very happy to say in the press that Bellamy is one of a few candidates being interviewed at the moment. So that would suggest that quotes of around the 12 on mark are probably wider than, wider than mark because that would suggest that he's basically got the job. It seems like there are other people being considered. So I'd guess in the next, and and, also, and the fans forum on Thursday was cancelled because he's, he's out of the country. So I would be very surprised if there isn't a new manager in place by by Thursday. Um, if the reason for him being back is to appoint one, he seems to be very keen to get someone in. So, you know, it's, it's cautious optimism. It has to be, um, I think anyone who with any takeover goes in with, with blind faith is, is foolish. I think at the same time, you can't get too sucked in by the doom and gloom that surrounds... Um, in the press conference for all we know he was very nervous for all we know he may not speak very good English whatever um, as I said the, the interviews with, with the Oxford Mail and, and Radio Oxford afterwards were much more promising so fingers crossed he says he wants to get out to the Premier League um, I'll take that so so you know let's hope that Tiger's going to be my friend I guess well with 12 games left of the League One season for Oxford uh, and only a six point gap between yourselves and Oldham who are in the top I suppose relegation spot um, th- there's there's still a more pressing issue at hand once a new manager is uh, is appointed not long-term strategy recruitment and and uh, progress but rather just avoiding relegation in the short term um, looking at that relegation battle we've had a managerial change down there Fleetwood Town uh, down in 20th they're one point above Oldham but Oldham have played a game less than them and they sacked Uwe Rosler, who we've been openly fans of, really, over the last year or two. Uh, it's, I think, possibly, or at least I found it quite easy to forget, that Fleetwood were a playoff team last, just last season and that Uwe Rosler, at that point, looked like a bit of a genius. And, and such is the way of things, George. He's now lost his job with Fleetwood really being threatened by relegation. So they've got in John Sheridan and... He's a man that, that we know pretty well at this level. I think he's probably managed more EFL teams in the last two, or in the time we've been doing the podcast than maybe anyone else, to be honest, with Notts County and a couple of spells with Oldham. Do you think that he can give them what they need, Fleetwood, to, to, to avoid relegation? Do you expect them to be sucked into the How zone? How are you not saying your favourite word here? The Chesurrection. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to bang on about it, but there we go. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good... Th- the issue with this is that you just have no idea if, if Uwe Rosler is just hugely overperforming with a squad um, and now they're regressing to the mean. But all I would say is, is by, by all accounts I've heard, um, Oxford were positively bombed out of, uh, of contention to sign Conor McElhaney in the summer. Um, by the wages that Fleetwood were, were prepared to pay him. So on that basis, I would assume that um, any ideas that little Fleetwood have been batting above their station for, for so long and they're now going back to the mean are probably misguided. Um, and in that respect, you'd think that maybe Sheridan will have enough to play with to, to improve them. It's, it's a bit of a convoluted relegation battle down there. You've got Rochdale rock bottom. They're 11 points from safety. They've got... 
an untold amount of games in hand on account of their cut run and uh, various p- postponements due to a bad pitch. Um, and Berry have taken the opportunity to rise off the bottom for the first time in seemingly years. Uh, and they're in slightly better form, actually, under Ryan Lowe. In the last sort of six, seven games, they've been picking up a couple of wins, a couple of draws. MK Dons, on the other hand, no wins, basically, and very few draws uh, so far under Dan Machici, unfortunately. Uh, and Oldham, who I had such high hopes for after their January business, are also sucked into it. Is there anyone above the relegation zone? Let's look at it this way, George. Fleetwood, Northampton, Wimbledon, Walsall, Blackpool, Oxford or Doncaster. I'll go all the way up. There's only six points between Doncaster in 14th and Oldham in 21st. Is there anyone that you would be backing for relegation are there any interesting prices for example or anything that that tickles your fancy yeah I think AFC Wimbledon um, are are a team who I could see being sucked into it they're currently four to one Um, they had a fantastic run of results about a month ago that that saw them kind of break away from it but they're two points clear of it really um, and have tricky fixtures coming up uh, especially tomorrow night um, they host Blackburn so you think they're going to lose um, that, you know, after that, they're going to be played two games more than Oldham. And I think they'll probably lose, in which case they'll only be two points ahead. Um, so I think that possibly the way the, the league is, is set has them slightly mis- mispriced in the betting. And I think there's still a pretty good chance that they're going to be one of the bottom four. Yeah, I mean, Northampton are a much shorter price. In fact, they're fourth favourites for relegation. But I'm going to go with Northampton. They're, they are bottom of Ben Mayhew's E ratings, just having, to all intents and purposes, a miserable season. There, were, there was booing on the weekend. Hasselbank's come out, you know, against the boos and saying they're unfair. And I Imagine just... he came out for the boos. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that they might still be dropping back into that relegation zone league two george in the automatic places we sort of talked about it with wolves and we talked about it a little with wigan although ultimately deciding that those two will still be the top team come the end of the season but we've got to talk about it with luton as well the big question is is it possible that luton could not finish top of this league which again like i touched on with wolves would be would have to be considered a very big bottle job. There's three points between themselves and Accrington Stanley. Accrington have 28 points from the last 33 available. Mansfield, 23 points from their last 10 games. Wickham, 22 points from their last nine games, an even better record. So with Accrington three points behind Luton, Wickham three points behind them, then Notts County and Mansfield, just one point each below. Is it possible that Luton could be uh, could be gazumped? And if so, would that be a bit of a shocker? Well, yeah, it'd definitely a shocker. I mean, I don't know, a shock and a shocker. Uh, yeah, they could be. Uh, I, I personally think it's unlikely. I think they've got enough about them to, to do it. I think that peop, you know, teams at the top are going to drop points, um, and they'll generally show their class when they're uh, when when they're forced to. Um, I still, whilst Wickham and Accrington are having fantastic seasons, I think there's very very a very big gap in quality between them and Luton. So, so I'm not too concerned. It's fair to say that, uh, you know, I've sort of, <laughs> I've, I've, I've made, oh, I haven't exaggerated anything. My facts were actual facts. What I did omit to say is that Luton have got 11 points from their last six games. It's, 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 they're not, they're by no means, you know, having an absolutely shocking run and, and losing games all over the place. But it, it's just interesting that the gap has shortened so much and it's testament to, to some of the teams below them. Um, the, the playoff places, well, uh, 
I used to say every week that there is, you know, that they're as crowded as ever and that at any point that, you know, a win can take you from 10th to 6th. It's not really the case at the moment. There's a small gap that's opened up. The, the playoff spot's currently occupied by Notts County, Notts County, Mansfield, Exeter and Swindon. And then there's a four-point gap between Swindon and Lincoln, although games in hand come into it, of course, at that point. Two more points between Lincoln and Coventry, Carlisle and Crawley with Colchester a point back. So uh, the four current playoff contenders are, are in quite a strong position, I'd say, at this stage, George. Is there anyone, you know, like a Lincoln or a Coventry that you could see going above a team like Swindon, for example, <coughs> who I'm sure you'd be hopeful might uh, might drop out of it? Yeah, I, th- I think there is. Um, I, I think that this league, as we know, is so unpredictable that you can't say that the, the, the current seven are going to be the seven. Um, that result for Lincoln was absolutely extraordinary on, on Saturday. I don't think anyone saw that coming, um, especially taking the lead. Um, but, you know, a, a game in hand on Swindon, they're back to just a point behind. Swindon's form this season has been absolutely ridiculously inconsistent. If you if you look at their record, they've won 18, drawn four and lost 11. So <laughs> they're a proper Jekyll and Hyde team. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if I was a Swindon fan, I wouldn't be putting my feet up yet. Interesting stuff. There was a great interview by Steve Evans. I say great interview. I don't really mean that because I don't ultimately think it's particularly impressive or funny. I don't think that there's... I have no positive feelings towards Steve Evans when he comes out with the sort of thing that he did. But uh, an entertaining, I suppose, uh, objectively, uh, interview uh, after the Mansfield-Coventry game on the weekend. You can find it on our Twitter page at NTT20pod. Steve Evans calling... Mark Robbins, squeaky little Robbins, and basically saying that he'll have it out with him face to face because apparently Robbins was slagging off Mansfield striker Danny Rose. Um, that was quite entertaining, so do check that out on our Twitter feed. Mansfield looking pretty strong, I think it's fair to say. They've still only lost six games all season, which is the same as Luton. And down at the bottom, George, just finally, it seems like Barnet and Chesterfield have been the two teams sort of locked into the bottom two positions ever since Forest Green sort of lifted themselves above that that danger zone with some good January signings. But now there's there's a bunch of teams on 36 and 35 points. So Crew, Forest Green, Grimsby, Morecambe and Port Vale who are above the drop zone uh, and Chesterfield with five points to make up, Barnet six points to make up. Do you think that the likelihood is the most probable outcome that Chesterfield and Barnet will be the two to go down or might we be looking at a team like Grimsby with a bit of fear still you can get 13 to 2 for them to be relegated that is a massive bet and I did not know that Um, I was in the vicinity over the weekend I was meant to be going to the game but um, yeah the cold somewhat scared me off Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the, the feeling amongst fans there that I spoke to was that, um, was that they're, they're kind of doomed in a way. So I think if you told them they were 13 to 2, they'd be having a big old emotional hedge. It, uh, that seems bonkers to me. I mean, they're a team who, for all intents and purposes, um, can't score, um, have an issue uh, defending, <laughs> who, <laughs> you know, as you said to me, they're grim by name and grim by nature. Mm. And if you look at the teams around them on Saturday, they basically all picked up points. Um, Grimmies have played 35 games, Morecambe 33, Port Vale 34, Chesterfield 34. 
I, I can't see where the points are coming from. They that haven't is, won in 14, picking that, that up just is, four points and scoring five goals in their last 14 games. I'm at For reference, staggered. Barnett and Chesterfield in that time have picked up 12 points and 13 points. So with not quite 14 games to go, just under that, you know, Barnett and Chesterfield have, have got eight and nine points more than Grimsby in the last 14 games. And, and so it's, it's not impossible if if one of the reasons why I say it, it, it smells a little bit like Leighton Orient last year is the circumstances are obviously different, and that Leighton Orient situation was was relatively unique with the owner and what happened there. But the the discontent is there. Um, they haven't got a manager. They've chopped and changed again. Um, a, a lot of their good players have been basically stripped from the club, and they've ended up with a with a really poor squad, uh, with with no form to speak of, with no confidence at the club, with a, a load of fans who are having a terrible time and making their voices heard, and it all just sort of points downwards to me. And I do think that that thirteen to two for Grimsby to get relegated, absolute lunacy. A good place to finish. Absolute lunacy. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this sort of uh, look at the state of play, I suppose, across the EFL. We hope to be back with you soon uh, with something a bit different. Make sure that you follow at NTT20pod. Um, as always, we're looking for, for ways to get better, to bring you more and, and better content. So uh, make sure that you've got eyes on our Twitter page. It's possible that in the next few weeks and months, um, you could get more out of, of Not The Top 20 podcast. That's certainly our goal and uh, what we're looking at. So thank you very much, as always, for listening. Any shares that you could uh, provide us on Twitter, Facebook, fan forums, whatnot, would be fantastic. Fantastic.